1 Samuel chapter number 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is a familiar passage of Scripture, and I've got just a few simple thoughts I want to share with you. It hadn't been a good day, amen? And the Lord given us beautiful weather. Even if it was rainy, God would still been good, but it's a blessing that He give us some, some nice, good weather, and that reminds us that spring's on the way, amen? And uh, praise the Lord. I was thinking about this when Jim was talking about it. Ain't you glad you don't live in New York? It's probably still cold up there, amen? And uh, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. Of course, I shouldn't say that because by next week, it'll probably be cold here. Amen. And uh, maybe in the middle of July when they're wearing flip flops in New York, we might get a snowstorm. You don't know in Tennessee. But first Samuel chapter number three. And I'd like to begin reading in verse number one. We'll read the entirety of the chapter tonight. And then we'll go to Lord in prayer. The word of God says "And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision, and it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And uh, Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I call not my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee, Thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every whit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word tonight. Pray that you'd speak to our hearts and that we'd hear thy voice. Lord, that we would have open ears and, and open hearts unto you, that your will and your work might be done in our lives, and we'll be sure to thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for this crowd here tonight. What a blessing that they're here. They've come because they're hungry for the word of God, and they love you, and they've come to hear from you. I pray that you'd honor that effort, Lord, and that you'd make yourself real and known and felt in their presence tonight. We'll be sure to thank you for it. Lord, we love you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I want to preach to you for a few moments tonight on the topic, hearing the voice of the Lord. Now, when we come to 1 Samuel chapter number 3, we recognize immediately that to be the theme of the chapter. Uh, Samuel is a young man. We're not told exactly his age, but he seems to be a child or not much more than a child. In fact, that's the word that uh, the Word of God uses in verse number 1. It says, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Uh, this has been a time of silence between God and the nation of Israel for many years prior to this. Now, I'm going to say a word about it here in a moment, but even in those moments of silence, God was still speaking to individuals. I'm glad to report tonight that even in wicked days, God's still speaking to those that have ears to hear. Uh, just because we have a world that has turned off their hearing aid towards God, that don't mean that God can't speak to His people. Uh, even in a day when very often churches and the church, maybe broadly speaking, doesn't want to hear some of the things that God has to say. I'm glad if our hearts are open, God will still speak to us. Amen? And so uh, Samuel hears the voice of the Lord. And it seems as though the main emphasis of this passage is really more than, than being on the subject of what God speaks to Samuel about. Really, that is contained in only a, a few verses. The theme of the passage is really on this topic of hearing the voice of the Lord. And so before we're done tonight, we'll say a word about what God said, but it's really the fact that He said something. And it's not just uh, what Samuel heard, but it's the fact that he heard something uh, that is uh, laid before us starkly this evening. And let me just say tonight, I want to hear the voice of the Lord in my life. I want to know what God thinks about how I'm living. Now, i got to admit to you, there's part of my flesh that's a hypocrite when I say that because I shrink from it. I fear to hear what God might uh, say about my life, but I know and the new man within me knows instinctively and fundamentally that we must know what God has to say to us if our life is to be what He wants it to be. Uh, no man that turns off the voice of God ever prospers for it. Uh, you can read about in the New Testament about Herod who uh, silenced John the Baptist who was the voice of God for his generation and had distinctly been so in the life of, of Herod had warned him against uh, what he was doing that was wrong. And you can read about Herod's life after he uh, killed John, had him executed because he didn't like what John was saying. Uh, years later, Herod longed to hear John's voice again. Uh, when Jesus came uh, into the, the public ministry, he even said maybe this is John the Baptist sort of reborn or reincarnated or, or reshaped in some way. He wished he could hear the voice of God. You know that Herod was the only man that Jesus ever refused to speak to. Uh, you remember whenever Jesus was crucified, Pilate sent him to Herod so that Herod uh, could decide what to do with him because Jesus was a Galilean. Pilate thought he could escape the responsibility. And uh, Herod wants to hear, uh, see miracles and hear messages. And he wants to hear from Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus would not speak to Herod. You might say, preacher, why is that? Because Herod had silenced the voice of God. And now he was under punitive judgment. God wasn't going to speak to him because he had turned away the voice of God. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying we need to hear the voice of God tonight. We need to long to hear the voice of God. And when God speaks, we better heed what God says. It's not a light thing for God to speak to us. So when we come to 1 Samuel chapter 3, we find this story unfolded before us. And I want us to consider a few simple thoughts. But before we get there, I want us to notice a phrase that's used in verse number 1. The Bible says, The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious. And notice these next three words, In those days. And it explains to us what that means in the next phrase. It says, 
There was no open vision. So in other words, what characterizes these days, particularly as regards the voice of God? Well, number one, I'd say tonight that these were days when the voice had been scorned. Now, you might say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, if you know the timeline of the Bible, you know that the book of the Bible that comes immediately prior to this in the chronology of God's Word is the book of Judges and the book of Ruth. And when we read the book of Judges, we find it to be this unrelenting drumbeat of man's rebellion against God. Uh, God would deliver Israel from their oppressors. Uh, They would uh, then for a little while serve God and follow God, but then they would decide they were tired of following God. They'd rebel against Him, and God would deliver them to fresh and new oppressors. They would then cry out to God for deliverance. God would raise up another judge who would deliver them from their enemies. And this cycle 13 times repeats in the book of Judges. At the close of the book of Judges, the voice of God goes silent after one of the darkest and most wicked occasions and stories in the Word of God. God just closes His lips and gets silent. And the reason for that is because 13 times He had renewed His voice in the national heart and in the national ears. 13 times He had come back and said, I'm giving you another opportunity and another chance. But mankind chose to scorn God's voice. There's a great danger in scorning the voice of God. Uh, let me tell you, say this tonight. I believe the Word of God can always speak to hearts. But the particular way in which God makes fresh and new and poignant and relevant in our lives His Word is something that we should not take for granted. Because we're not promised that we'll always get to enjoy that deep, intimate relationship with the Word of God. Just like Herod, they had scorned God's voice and eventually God was silent towards them. So it was a day when men did not want to hear the voice of God. It was a day when the voice had been scorned. Number two, it was a day when because of this, the voice had been scarce. It seemed as though God wasn't working in the land. Now we can read the little book of Ruth and find out that God was still working in the land. But nationally speaking for the nation of Israel, it was a time when God almost seemed to be absent in their political and in their religious life. And let me say, I think we're living in a day today where the voice of God is most certainly scorned amongst men. It is derided, it is ridiculed, it is it is something that is laughed at and scoffed at and mocked at. And as a result of that, very often we see in these days that the voice of God seems to be scarce amongst the church. Now you say, but preacher, uh, there's Bible preaching. Oh yes, I agree with you. We probably have uh, more Bible preaching available to us than we've ever had at any point in the history of the New Testament church. Uh, You can get online, you can go and you can find preachers. I'm talking about Bible preachers, solid preachers, sound, fiery preachers that, uh, that preach with authority. But doesn't it seem as though the church remains unmoved by it? Uh, There was a time whenever, uh, and I'll just be honest with you, there was a time when preaching was worse, but God's people were better. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, you go back and read some of the sermons over the past 200 years, and just from an exegetical standpoint, from a preacher's mind and a preacher's viewpoint, there's really, there's nothing that dazzles the mind when you read them, but God used them to move continents and to move kingdoms and to move nations for Him. Why was that? Because men were listening to the voice of God. Now we're living in a time where it almost seems as though preaching has been honed to an artful and skilled craft. And I don't mean that in a cynical way. I'm talking about preachers can preach the Word of God. But it seems though the Word is being preached, the voice is not speaking. 
Why is that? Because hearing the voice of God has more to do with than merely the academic acknowledgement of the truth that's being given to you. Hearing the voice of God is not a matter of the mind, friend. It's a matter of the heart. Uh, some of the greatest theologians, and, I, and they think they are. I don't think they are. But some of the quote-unquote greatest theologians in the world have never professed to personally know Christ as their Savior. But they have an academic awareness and familiarity with the Word of God. You say, preacher, how's that possible? It's possible today, same way it was possible then. You think Israel lost all knowledge of who God was during that time? They still knew who He was. The, t- the, the tabernacle, the word used here in, in 1 Samuel 3, it's called the temple because it found a place of permanence in the land there at Shiloh. It wasn't on the move anymore. But the tabernacle is still existent. Worship is still taking place. But God is silent. In your life and mine, it's scary to think that we could go through the motions of our Christianity and never hear the voice of God. It's possible to come to church three times a week. It's possible to read your Bible every day. It's possible even to go in a prayer closet and pray and and talk to the Lord, or we might say talk at the Lord. But if we've refused to heed and to hear what God has to say to us, for God to be silent in speaking to the matters of our life. So it was a time when the voice had been scorned and it had been scarce. But then when I read this passage, I cannot help but notice with hope in my heart that it was also a time when the voice had been sought. Now you say, preacher, wait a minute, I thought nobody was hearing God's voice. No, I didn't say that. I said most people weren't hearing God's voice. There were still people interested in what God had to say. In fact, if you were to go just a chapter prior to this, you'd find one of those voices, and her name is Hannah. She's the mother of Samuel. And she had sought God. She had prayed to God. She had sought God's favor and God's help in the matter of her barrenness. You could go over to the book of Ruth, which is taking place just prior to this, and you would find Ruth being sought out by God and hearing the voice of God. You would find Boaz listening to the voice of God in his life. I'm saying this, just because the world has turned God's voice off, that don't mean we have turned God's voice off. And if we're willing to hear, then He's willing to speak. So what does that look like in our life? Well, notice these few thoughts with me. First, I want you to notice the context of the voice. Look at verse 2 with me. The Bible tells us exactly what was going on when Samuel heard the voice. It says, and it came to pass at that time, when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. So God goes out of his way to tell us some of the things that were taking place the night that Samuel heard the voice of God. And I just noticed them, I jotted them down this way. There's probably better preachers say more about it than I am, but I'm just going to say this tonight. Number one, it was in a diminishing place. So what do you mean, preacher? Well, the Bible goes out of its way to tell us that Eli was laid down in his place. And that doesn't necessarily imply merely that he was resting, but rather that he was at a place of bedfastness. You remember, Eli's an old man at this point. He's unable really to carry out the ministration of the temple, but there's no one else to do it. His two sons are wicked men, and he's unwilling to turn over the reins of the authority of all of it under them. He's already tolerated their depravity, and God's going to judge him for it. But he's still trying to maintain some sort of control here in the tabernacle. In fact, when Eli dies, the Bible tells us he's sitting in a chair and he hears the news that his boys have died and he falls over backwards and breaks his neck. I guess there's worse ways to go, but probably not much worse, amen? And that's how he dies. What it's saying is that he is of an age and he is of a physical condition that he is unable to do the work of God the way that he once did. 
The Bible says this, that his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. I'd say this, if, if you were, I was at a meeting last night. I went to a camp meeting last night. I don't go to very many of them, but, but a friend of mine was having a meeting and I went and man, it was good. I, I'm talking about it was on. I mean, it was from the moment you, you hit the parking lot. It was just, it was on. You could hear them singing. You could hear them testify. I walk in. I can hear women shout. I can see somebody running an aisle. I mean, it was just on. And you know, you, you, you get in a meeting like that. You hear the preaching and it's solid and it's sound. It's on fire from heaven. It wouldn't be any surprise to think that God could speak in a place like that. We've been blessed at times here to have meetings where it's just, it's just felt like God has sat down in this place. And you think, you know, it's no wonder God can speak in a place like that. But can I say this? It wasn't in a place like that that God spoke. It was in a diminishing place. It was in a place that when you went to, uh, the preacher was so old that he was getting ready to fall out of bed and he would die by falling out of a chair. It was in a place where his eyesight had grown dim, where he was unable to carry on the work of God. Can I say it this way? Even in less than ideal circumstances, the voice of God spoke. In other words, we oftentimes think in our life that if we will just get everything situated in such a way, then God can work. But you know, God can work even in spite of less than ideal circumstances. Uh, you might say tonight, preacher, there's things that I wish I knew of the Word of God. I'd be a better Christian than, well, maybe that's true, but you don't have to wait till then to hear the voice of God. Uh, preacher, I, I wish my prayer life was more vibrant and more alive and, and more in tune with God. Hey, that's good. You need to work on that. But don't wait till then to hear the voice of God. You say, preacher, there might even be some things in my life that aren't the way they ought to be. There might be some sin in my life. And I don't want to, I don't want to come to God until I get everything right. Hey, listen, uh, you, you don't get everything right to come to God. You come to God and get everything right. Just go ahead and listen for the voice of God. You're never going to get right unless you listen to the voice of God in your life. It's the voice of God that reproves us and rebukes us and shows us where we're wrong and where there's unrighteousness. So in that diminishing place in ministry, God's voice spoke. We don't have to wait till it's perfect. We just have to listen for His voice. Number two, uh, the Bible says in verse number three, Ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here am I. I would say this, not only was it in a diminishing place, but it was in a dark place that the voice of God spoke. Now, now I'm going to, I don't know what the right way, I don't know what the most tactful way is to say I was wrong and now I'm fixing it in something I believe. So you pray with me and help me figure out a non-embarrassing way to say that. But I'm just going to say it this way. I've changed my mind about what I think this verse is saying. I used to say this, that I think what it was saying was that Samuel was there to keep the lamp of God from going out. But you know, when you read that carefully, I don't think that's what it's saying. I don't think it's saying that Samuel was there to keep the lamp of God from going out. Because when you look at the way that the phrase is tied together, in fact, let's read it all together. Let's do that. I don't mean out loud. You can if you want. I won't be mad at you. That ain't what I'm saying. It says in verse 2, it came to pass at that time. And then it gives a bunch of modifiers. It tells us what that time was. When Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see and ere the lamp of God, which means before the lamp of God, went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down. Now it finally has the action that the Lord called Samuel. So in other words, all those statements about Eli being laid down, his eyes being dim, and the lamp of God had not gone out yet in the temple, and the ark of God was there, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, it's setting the scene for us of what was happening. I don't think it's saying, as I once did, that Samuel is 
is there so the lamp won't go out. Now maybe that was his job, maybe it wasn't his job. But I think the Holy Ghost is letting us know it was at a time just before the lamp of God was going to go out. Before the day had broken and they would have extinguished those lamps. It was, in other words, in the middle of the night that this happened. In a dark, dark place was where God's voice spoke. You know, when the Bible talks about where the ark of God was, it's talking about the Holy of Holies. And if you study the tabernacle, you'll find that was a place of, of no natural lighting. The only light, Brother Charlie, that was in there would have been from the candle, the lamp that would have been lit in that place. And whenever God sat down there in the, in the, the Holy of Holies, His glory would brighten and illuminate the place. But if His voice, or I mean, excuse me, if His presence was not there, it was a dark, dark place. It was a dark place whenever the voice of God spoke. The kind of place, and, and this seems apparent, Samuel jumps up out of bed, he goes, runs to Eli, because he assumes that Eli, because of the darkness of the locale and because of the dimness of his eyes, cannot get out of bed and needs Samuel to do something for him. Everything about this passage speaks to us of the darkness that was present there. And you know, when I think of a dark place, I don't know about you, but when I think of a dark place, I think of a place where I feel lost and without direction. The voice of God speaks even when we are in a place of uh, lostness. And when I say lostness, I don't mean the, the condition of a sinner before he's born again, but I mean in our life when we are without direction, when we are without clarity, when we are without guidance, when we feel as though we do not know where to turn and we do not know where safety lies. It's then that the voice of God will often speak. Sometimes we think in our life that we have to get everything figured out for God to use us. But the truth is, God using us is what helps us get everything figured out. Uh, what the voice of God does is it shines light in our life and in our circumstances. It's so funny that we would think to ourselves that we have to have it all together before we'll listen to God's voice. Uh, why would God's voice speak to us? Else there's something in our life that needs to be corrected or addressed in some way. The very fact that He speaks to us, He's trying to give us light. He's trying to give us direction. He's trying to give us guidance and wisdom in our life. And I'm just glad to report, you say, Preacher, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know what to do. i got this decision in front of me. Or maybe it's not even a decision. Maybe you're in a place of despair that you can't even explain. You don't know why you're going through it. You say, Preacher, I'm in this dark place. There's a cloud over me. I don't know what to do. Just listen for His voice. Because that's the very place where He speaks to His people. You know, the psalmist made this statement, said about the Lord that He hath made darkness His pavilions round about Him. In other words, God dwells in dark places. And you say, but preacher, I, I thought God was light. God is light. But listen, light shines most apparently in the dark places. That's where the contrast is drawn. And in your life, when you're in a dark place, God will speak. So it was a diminishing place. It was a dark place. But then notice this. The Bible says he spoke where the ark of God was. And the Bible says that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. Why does the Bible tell us that it was where the ark of God was? Now, any student of the Bible and certainly an Israelite reading this would not have to have been told that the place where the lamp of God was was the place where the ark of God was. But God mentions this to lay emphasis to the fact that it was the place of His divine presence. In other words, this was where God normally spake. And can I say it this way? It was in a diminishing place and it was in a dark place, but it was in a divine place that God spoke. It was in an, an anticipated place, if we can say it like that. God spoke in the place where He always spoke. I would say this to you tonight. God always speaks in His appointed places and His appointed ways. 
You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews how God speaks to us during these days. It says that God, who at sundry times and in divers manners in times past spake by, you know, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Now, what does that mean when it says by His Son? Well, listen, I believe the writer of Hebrews understood and read the Gospel of John, understood the, 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 the nature, the, the harmony betwixt the, the character and, 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 and personality and nature of the Son of God and of the Word of God. And I'll be honest, even if the Hebrews writer wasn't aware of it, the Holy Ghost certainly was when he had him pin that down. You say, preacher, how do we hear the voice of the Son of God through His Word? I'm saying this, if you want to hear the voice of God, and I've learned this, I've learned this as a pastor, listening to someone that preaches hundreds of messages a year, I've learned if I want to hear His voice, I've got to go to where He speaks. Sometimes there is a tendency when we are seeking after the voice of God to want to look for it in, 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 in signs or in instances or in fleeces on the ground, whatever it might be. And I'm not saying God hasn't done some unusual things in the past, but He tells us in the book of Hebrews, those ways of speaking, I'm done with those. Now I speak through my Son, which means through my Scripture, through my Word. That's how He speaks to us. You say, preacher, I want to hear God's voice. Then open up His Word. That's where he's speaking. Go to the house of God where it's preached. Open the Bible and study. Go to a Sunday school class where it's taught. Get in the Word of God if you want to hear the voice of God. Because that's where he speaks. So I see the context of the voice. Number two tonight, I see the character of the voice. Now, I'm just giving you simple thoughts. I'm not even really preaching this passage. I'm just telling you some of the things that God laid on my heart. And when I think about what the voice of God is going to sound like, that, that, that I think is a fair and meaningful question. I can't tell you the times that I've had people say, Preacher, how will I know when God's speaking to me? Uh, Preacher, how do I know if God's speaking to me? Well, I can't answer everything about it, but I can notice a few characteristics here in this passage. And I notice this, number one, I notice it was personal. You say, what do you mean, Preacher? Well, look down at verse number 10. The Bible says, The Lord came and stood and called as at other times. Now, up to this point, we've not been told what God said, at least not explicitly. We find out from this verse that it probably has been revealed. But it never says that the Lord called Samuel and this is what he said. All it says is the Lord called Samuel and Samuel said, here am I. But now it tells us what God spoke. What did he speak? He said, Samuel, Samuel. In other words, God spoke his name when he spoke to Samuel. Now, I want to be very careful about what I say here. We understand that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation. The Bible doesn't mean something to you and mean something different to me. It means what God says it means. Uh, there, I'm, I'm just going to say it again. I don't know, even on a Wednesday night, that should have gotten amen from somebody other than just Charlie. So we're going to try that again. It don't mean what it means to you and then means what it means to me. It means what God said. That's what the Word of God means. No prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation. But I would say this. Though Samuel was not aware of all of the particulars, and there's probably some reasons for that that we'll get to here in a moment, of who was speaking to him. He knew he was being spoken to. He was not looking for signs in the heavens. He wasn't trying to throw chicken bones or sticks down on the ground. He wasn't trying to shoot dice and figure it out. He wasn't shaking a magic eight ball. He heard the voice and it spoke to him. So oftentimes... When we are craving the voice of God, seeking for the voice of God, it is not that God is not speaking, it's that we have already disqualified whatever matter God is seeking to speak upon. Now, I don't know if that's true for you. I'll just preach to this preacher for a moment here. Oftentimes, when, when I'm saying, Lord, tell me, he's saying, I did, and you didn't want to hear it. You didn't want to hear it. 
I didn't have to wonder whether God was speaking. It's just when he, when he said what he said, I, I wasn't happy about it. And then I started looking for another answer, looking for another message, looking for another way, trying to find somebody to tell me something that I wanted to hear instead of what I needed to hear. But when Samuel, when the Lord spoke, he didn't, he didn't mince words. He said, Samuel, Samuel. That, that's the Lord's way. You want, you want to know if you, if you, uh, study the Hebrew, you know what that means? It means look up in here. That's what that means. Samuel, Samuel. When God calls your name twice, He's saying, pay attention. Amen. Y'all are going to go home looking at Strong's Concordance. You're going to say, don't say look up in here. So I see the character of the voice. It was personal. Number two, I noticed that it was plain. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, when Samuel hears this, he immediately makes some assumptions. The first assumption he makes is that it is a human speaking to him. He gets up from his bed and he goes to where Eli is. What does that mean to us? Well, it tells me this. I think pretty plainly tonight, when God's voice spoke, it was not sensational in its quality. It was a plain voice. He heard it, and it wasn't some kind of heavenly language. It wasn't gibberish. It wasn't tongues. It was just the sound of a man talking. Sometimes when we're listening to the voice of God, we discard it because we want God to do something really impressive for us to accompany it. We get that Naaman syndrome in the Old Testament where Naaman comes and he's a leper and he wants to be healed and he comes to Elijah because he's heard that Elijah's a prophet of God and can heal him and Elijah don't even come out of the house. He just, he just stays in the house and sends out Gehazi, his servant, to go out and speak to Naaman and Naaman, Gehazi comes out and, and the royal courtiers, they say this is Naaman, he's a great general of the king of Syria. Gehazi says, I know who he is. I know who he is. We knew he's coming. God told us he's going to be here. And Elijah's already told me what he needs to do. He needs to go down the river there and dunk seven times and when he comes up, he's going to be healed. And Naaman, a man that's a leper that's dying of his affliction and of his malady, gets angry at the fact that a, a greater show was not made uh, and reception was not made over him. He 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 looks at his uh, at Gehazi and says, "I could have I could have bathed in rivers back in, in in Syria that are better rivers than this river here." And his uh, his his servant there looks at him and says, "You know, it's a small thing that the prophet has asked you to do. Why don't you just go ahead and go do it?" He goes down and he dunks seven times and of course he comes up and he's washed clean of his leprosy. But you know what upset him? He wanted Elijah to come out and swallow a sword or uh, spit fire or do a backflip or do something impressive. And when Elijah just fixed his problem, that wasn't good enough for him. When God just told him what he needed to hear, that wasn't good enough for him. He wanted some kind of great circus to take place. And you know, we're so guilty of that in our lives. We don't want to think it's God's voice unless it's something really, really spectacular. But here's the question. You know why Naaman shouldn't have complained? Because he was a leper that was dying. He wasn't in a place to complain about how God spoke to him. You know why we shouldn't complain about how God speaks to us? Because we're just a bunch of lepers dying. We need the help of God. We need the voice of God. Let's just get over ourselves and go ahead and listen when God speaks. It was ordinary in its presentation, but I thought this was interesting. It was familiar in its sound. He does not. I don't know about you. I was, the other day I was laying in bed and I always go to sleep later than my wife does. She's early morning and I'm a night owl and so I'll, I'll lay in bed and I'll read and things like that. And I was laying in bed and it was, it, it wasn't terribly late, but it was late enough that everybody in the house was supposed to be in bed. And, um, I, I, all of a sudden I heard a noise of a door slamming. 
And it, it sounded like the boys, they, they sleep in the same room. It sounded like their door. I still don't know what it was. But the first thing I did was I threw the light on. And I jumped up out of bed and I went and looked. And when I did, I didn't walk out there and say, Dad, is that you? I didn't walk out there and, and I didn't say, I didn't say, Leah, is that you? I knew she was laying back in the bed. I didn't walk out there. I, I didn't say, Brother Charlie, is that you? No, I didn't say that. I, I didn't, I didn't go out there anticipating any individual. You know why? I didn't hear a voice speak and even had I heard one, unless it sounded like somebody that I knew, you better believe I'd be coming out of that bedroom, drawn up on them, ready to protect my family. Samuel, and I understand he's just a little boy. But he hears this voice and he gets up and he goes immediately to Eli. He doesn't get up and, and shake in terror. He doesn't cry out and say, who's there? He got up and he went to Eli. You know why that is? I remember hearing a preacher say this years ago and it always stuck with me. Because the voice of God to him sounded like the voice of the priest. I hope you'll receive what I'm about to say to you. And let me make a few statements before I do. I'm not God. I, I'm not infallible. I'm not immutable. I don't speak ex cathedra and neither does the Pope. The voice of God is the voice of God. However, God has appointed that a man of God stand up, take the word of God and preach. And that that may be a means of God speaking to the hearts of men. And it helps us to understand, you know, sometimes the voice of God sounds like the preacher's voice. Some, that's alright. It's, it's as uncomfortable for me to say it as it is for you to hear it. But it's in the Bible, so I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Because I think I'm duty bound to do it. Sometimes the voice of God sounds like the preacher's voice. Sometimes it sounds like the Sunday school teacher's voice. Sometimes it sounds like the evangelist's voice. In other words, sometimes we're waiting for God to drop some ton of bricks out of heaven. And instead He sends us a preacher with a Bible under His arm. And sometimes we despise the familiarity of that voice. And we say, well, you know, I, it's the same mess. I've heard this. I've heard this story. I've heard this joke. I've heard this. I've heard this. I've heard this. I've heard this. That's a good way to push the voice of God away. If God's going to speak through the preached word, then how are we ever going to hear his voice if we always turn our ear off when the word is preached? We've got to be willing to hear. We've got to be willing to listen. We've got to be willing to heed. Can I remind you, and again, I'm not saying I'm the son of God. I'm not saying any preacher is the son of God. Only Jesus is the son of God. But can I remind you that the very people that grew up in the house with Jesus despise him because of their familiarity with him. And they, we have no reason to believe that all of them ever got born again. Some of them did. How many years they walked in darkness? Because they could not accept that a familiar voice was God's voice. I'd say it was a plain voice. Number three, I'd say it was a persistent voice. Four times God comes back and speaks. Now, I don't know about you, but I know in my life when God's speaking, He just keeps on speaking until He gets my attention. We have a fear sometimes, and I've heard people say things like this. I don't want to miss the will of God. But can I remind you, the will of God is not something that you're trying to outrun or run away from. If you are, you might miss it. But if you're seeking God's will and God's mind, you better believe God does not whisper and He does not stutter. He'll speak up loud and clear to get your attention. We do not have to fear that we'll miss the will of God unless we're trying to miss the will of God. We're running from it. If we've set up some idol in our life that we do not allow God to touch or to tear down, then, then maybe we might miss something. What I'm saying is getting out of the will of God, getting away from the will of God, is not something that's done by accident or oversight. It's something that's done deliberately. And if you want to know if God's speaking, you better believe He'll keep speaking. If your heart's open, if you're willing to hear, if you're willing to listen, then He'll speak until He's made plain His point. 
So I see the character of the voice. Number three, I see the criteria for the voice. Look what it says in verse number 10. And the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. So three times God has already done this. But after Samuel replies, after he responds, God does not speak any further until we get to verse 10. It must have been something in the way that Samuel answered that caused God to continue speaking. Well, how did Samuel answer? Then Samuel answered, and this is what he said, Speak for thy servant here. In other words, when we're listening to the voice of God, we have to be willing to respond in the right way if we want God to keep speaking to us. How was it that he responded? Well, I, I would characterize it by this one word. He responded with honesty. With honesty. If we're not willing to be honest, God won't waste His time speaking to us. We have to be willing to be honest about ourselves, about Him, about what we've done, about what needs to be changed in our life and needs to be addressed, about our, our flaws and our failures and our weaknesses and our infirmities. We have to be willing to be honest with God. God will not waste time with a hypocrite. He won't waste time with a hypocrite. And you say, preacher, we're all hypocrites. Yeah, yeah, I know, I understand. But you also understand there's a difference between acknowledging the infirmity and, and, and maybe the contradictory nature of the way we live sometimes and someone that just wants to play games with God. If you're playing games with God, God's not interested in playing games. Why did God keep speaking? Well, because Samuel answered in the appropriate way. So I would call this the criteria for the voice. What's required for us to hear the Lord? I noticed something interesting. I don't know if you noticed this. Look back at verse 9 with me. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Listen to what Samuel answers in verse 10. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant hear it. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a word in this. From between when Eli gives him counsel and what Samuel replies. In other words, Eli, the seasoned man of God, for all of his flaws and failures, this is a man that's heard the voice of God for many years, even though at times he wasn't obedient to it. He says, when I want to hear from God and God speaks, I say, speak, Lord, for thy servant hear it. But when Samuel replies, he leaves out the Lord's name. He just says, speak for thy servant here. Now you might say, well, preacher, what a strange thing. Why was it that Samuel did not say the Lord's name? Well, probably because of what it says in verse 7. Verse 7 of our text says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Now, I've heard preachers try to say at times past, he didn't speak the Lord's name because he didn't know the Lord's name. I think that's foolish. He's been ministering in the temple, and he's an Israelite. He was raised for the first three years of his life by a godly mother. And he was raised in a home so godly, so religious, that every year they made pilgrimage to Jerusalem, or to Shiloh, excuse me, to keep feasts unto the Lord. I just bet that he probably knew what the Lord's name was. But why did he not use the Lord's name? He did not want to feign a familiarity that did not exist. Can I say it this way? He was honest about his relationship. He didn't try to pretend as though he had some standing with God that did not yet exist there. 
Now, by the time we come to the end of the chapter, I think it's pretty apparent that Samuel knows the Lord. He's a prophet of the Lord. And it's likely that even through this exchange, he has made a, a faithful believer in the God of Israel. He's not just a boy carrying out his chores anymore, but he knows God and he believes in God and he's had righteousness imputed unto him. But at this moment, none of that's happened. He don't pretend like he's got this relationship with God that he don't. You know what it's going to take for us to hear the voice of God? We've got to quit pretending like we got some relationship with God that we don't. I ain't, I ain't talking to lost people tonight. I know who I'm preaching to. I'm preaching to save folks. But you know some of the reason we don't hear the voice of God sometimes is we pretend like there ain't problems in our relationship with God like there is. We pretend as though there is a, a, a standing, a relationship with God that is of greater purity and of greater devotion and dedication and fealty than what is really there. And we ignore problems between us and the Lord. We say, God, talk to me about this, but don't talk to me about that. Listen, until we're willing to get honest about our relationship, God ain't going to be able to speak to us. He wants to. He's gone out of His way to. But when there's a problem between us and Him, uh, here's what we want. We want God to do what we want other Christians to do, to ignore the sin in our life. Can I tell you the great uh, nefarious dark deal and bargain of modern Christianity? It's this. I can put it this simply. I'll ignore your sin if you'll ignore my sin. God ain't interested in that. We want God to ignore the problems in our relationship with Him. And we want Him to deal with us, but don't deal with the problems, Lord. Just deal with my problems, but don't deal with the problems with me. Just deal with the things I want fixed. He was honest about his relationship. Number two, he was honest about his role. He said, thy servant. He did not treat as though the purpose in God speaking to him was for him to command God. Rather, he acknowledged that it was for God to command him. Sometimes what we really want out of God is we want him to report for duty. We want him to show up, click his heels, and be ready to carry out our bidding. And when God's not interested in that, we don't hear his voice, we get mad and we say, God forgot about it. No, God's just not interested in taking orders from us. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, but he's God and we are not. So who are we, preacher? We're the servant. When he speaks, it ain't because uh, he's going to do something for us. He don't have to let us know he's going to do something for us. He does stuff for you and me all the time that we don't even know he's doing for us. He ain't speaking because he's getting ready to do something for us. He's speaking because we need to be getting ready to be doing something for him. He speaks to us. He had to be honest about his role. Number three, he had to be honest about his readiness. He said, speak, thy servant heareth. Heareth. Now, the truth of the matter is, Samuel is in a right position to hear God's voice. But sadly, we very often are not. We're not ready to hear God's voice. We say, Lord, speak. But when God speaks, we get upset. We say, Lord, speak. But when He speaks, we disregard it. We, we, we ignore it because it's an area of our life that we've built a golden calf around and, and, and we fenced it off. And we've said, no, Lord, this, this, I, I'll do anything you want, but I won't do that. I, I'm sorry, Lord. I, 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 I'd serve you. I, I ask for something else, but don't ask for this, Lord. This and this alone belongs to me. And when we get in that condition, God's not going to speak. I, I, I just, and I'm done preaching tonight. I'm just going to say it this way. God ain't interested in helping us play hypocrite and ignoring our sin and ignoring our problem. We can cry to the heavens, Lord, speak. But until we're ready to listen to what God has to say, He's not going to speak. It wouldn't do any good. If we'll submit our heart to Him and say, Lord, whatever you have to say in my life, I'm willing to hear, then God will speak. 
Let's bow together tonight. A musician will come play. The altar is open. I want to give you an opportunity. If God spoke to your heart in the message tonight, I believe I'd, I believe I'd respond. That's what I believe I'd do. It's the best thing you can do is just respond to Him tonight. It's a precious thing. Hundreds of years went by that God didn't speak. And then one day He spoke to a little boy in the darkest of night in, in a, it, with a broke down priest. <laughs> when things wasn't perfect, He spoke. And Samuel said, Thy servant here. Father, bless this invitation. May it glorify Your Son. We ask it in His name.